Good morning, family. Thank you all for braving the cold so we can worship together. Hope you guys are all having a good Sunday and it's going going to get better as we sit under the word together and look at what God has of Proverbs. Uh, And so we are going to be in Proverbs chapter 2 here in a little bit. We're going to read the whole chapter together and look at what God has to say from us from that. And so we have been, this is the third week in the book of Proverbs, and so we've been kind of building up and how seeing how uh, the book kind of lays the foundation of wisdom uh, that we fear the Lord. We actually have a right understanding of who God is. And so that actually is the foundation, the building block for having a wise life, living a wise way is that we understand God and we recognize him. And then we also saw last week about how sin actually entices us away from following God. And actually we need to be wary of sin that entices us away from him. And today we're going to actually talk about the blessings that come from wisdom as we see in Proverbs 2. And so before we dive into that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, thank you so much for your word that we can read it, we can understand it, we can see you. We can see the truth of it. We can see how you have given us good principles to live by and that it shows how you care not just for our salvation but for our life. Lord, I pray for all of us as we read this book of wisdom that we can apply it, that we can seek to be wise, that we can seek to be holy, that we can seek to be your people who live as you have commanded us. Lord, I pray that we can be a church that lives by your word, proclaims your word. And always remember how your word shows us that great redemption that we have in Christ. Lord, we love you. We seek and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We are flooded with information. There's so many voices that are talking to us all the time. And it's a, it's a really interesting thought when we look at all these voices, all this information that's at our fingertips, who do we listen to, who do we go to for information or for knowledge or even for wisdom? We, we are, we're not at a detriment for information. We have that, but who do we listen to? Who are we approaching? And it's a really funny, sad kind of phenomenon how people are kind of shrugging off the the traditional authoritative voices that people used to listen to and are running to all different other sources. I mean, it's not new, but you can see it kind of almost picking up speed. I can even trace it back to uh, happening back in 1996. A program started on a comedy channel called The Daily Show, which was labeled as satire, comedy, gained their understanding of the world from a comedy show. And that's nothing new, and actually has been picking up steam. We can think of YouTube and all those videos that have been posted. Anyone who can film themselves can post a video on YouTube of various different qualities. But man, can you go down a rabbit hole on YouTube where it sounds really convincing that the earth is flat, or maybe even shaped like a hot dog, you don't know anymore because YouTube told you so. 
But then it even picks up stream as we get Facebook, and then we get TikTok, and all these things cross over, and they're inundated by all these voices that tell you all these things that you go, wait, is that true? And it's so hard even to evaluate them. We have all these voices speaking to us. We have all this information given to us, but information alone does not make us wise. People used to think that the problem with the human race is that we didn't know enough. Well, we have almost endless information at our fingertips in our pockets that we carry around with us, and we can Google anything, and guess what? The problem is that we don't know enough. The problem is that we don't know what voices to listen to. There's a big difference between information and wisdom. My favorite joke is knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit, Wisdom is knowing that you don't. The difference between knowledge and wisdom, we got plenty of knowledge and the voices are speaking to us, but who do we listen to? And the book of Proverbs again and again is telling us where we should give our ear. Who do we listen to? And so let's read Proverbs chapter 2 together as we look at who should we listen to. It's going to be on the screen. If you don't have your Bibles, you can turn to your own Bibles. If you want to read a physical Bible but did not bring yours in the, under the chairs in front of you, you might find a Bible. You should find a Bible. And on page 494, you'll find Proverbs chapter 2. And so let's read this together. It says this, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding... Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as, hidden, as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield for those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, equity, every good path. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from the men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her household sinks down to death and her past to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous, for the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. What are we to take from Proverbs 2 as it's telling us what voice to listen to? Is a very simple lesson. Seek the blessings of wisdom. That actually are blessings that come from gaining wisdom from God, and that we should be seeking that. That we should be going to God and his word. We're going to God and what he teaches us to find wisdom. And when we have wisdom, we will have these blessings that come along with it. 
is we're going to talk about some of those blessings, but the most important, the ways that God has charted out for us, that we're actually wise enough to understand that God made it all. If he is in control of it all, it should be wise for us to submit to how he said life should be lived. And that we put ourselves firmly on the paths that he has charted out for us. We seek the blessings of wisdom. For we know that is how God has called us to live. This passage starts off in verses 1 through 4 with these if statements. These kind of like, if we do this, then this promise is going to follow. It's this this idea that if we do these things, if we have these right postures towards the commands, towards the teachings given here, that we will get this promised wisdom from God. Posture could, is actually very important that we should take this correct posture when we are listening to instruction. Posture is important. I know that because when I talk to my son, the little punk 11-year-old he is, and when I talk to him and he hides his face or he's kind of like this or he doesn't want to receive it, that posture means uh, nothing I say is going through. That posture means he's not receiving any kind of wisdom I have to give him. Posture is important. When you have a posture that is receptive, talk to you. If you choose to stand in a corner at a party with your arms crossed looking sour, that posture says, I don't really want to hang out with you. But when you're attentive, when you are paying attention, when your posture says, I'm open, then you can receive. And the same thing is true with commandments and instruction. Posture is so important. I never understood when I was in college this whole group of people who would go to these big lecture halls with a newspaper and sit in the back reading newspaper for a class they paid hundreds of dollars for. The posture was, I'm not listening. But how much more do you get out of a class when you sit down there and you take your little pencil out or pen and you take notes? Your posture actually makes you open to receiving wisdom. And so it starts off with, if you have this right posture towards these commandments, this instruction, that's phrased here as a father or a parent giving to their son, but as we talked about last week, it's because any kind of teacher giving to their pupil, or we take it out and we put it to the Bible, God speaking to us through his word, if we have that right posture, then we can know that we should be becoming wise as we receive this instruction. And so then he gives us what should the posture be. If you read those first four verses, you see how they come kind of in couples. And that is that when you read the book of Proverbs, more often than not, you'll find these dual statements working in tandem together, this parallelism that goes with each other. You have one statement kind of impacting and influencing another statement that work together. We can go down a great rabbit hole on grammar here which I know everyone's like, yes, please. Let's talk about grammar. But it's so important because you have to understand the grammar to understand what it's talking about because these statements work in tandem. And sometimes they work in tandem by one statement increases or intensifies the other statement. Sometimes they work in tandem by one statement actually undoes or as a counterpoint to that other statement. Sometimes there's just two statements that mean the exact same thing set in a different flavor. But there's all these different ways in which you see these statements working together that give us insight on what the biblical writer means, what God wants us to glean from this, on what it means. 
how they work together. So you have to look at that and kind of wrestle. Is this actually showing us the same thing, or is this statement kind of changing the viewpoint or directing a little bit? And how do we, does it modify? So we have to understand that grammar. So 7th grade and 8th grade English was important, as we see here. But I digress. Let's get back to these if statements. Because they're, they're given to us in parallelisms. We see the first one, it says, <clears throat> commandments. Receiving and treasure, they're working in tandem. That the treasure up is actually intensifying the receiving. It's not just that you're going to receive them, that actually you treasure them. You cherish them. The, 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 the instructor here is saying, don't just receive them like, okay, this is good. No, actually cherish them, treasure them as things that are value. See them for what they worth, that you take them in. He says, if you do that, or if you're making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, that you're paying attention and you're inclining your heart, that you're, not, you're making your ear listen to what's being communicated, but at the same time, you're going to incline your heart, meaning saying, I believe this is true, I'm going to walk in this way, you're making it your way. Not only if you do that, but yes, if you call out for insight, if you raise your voice for hidden treasures, that if you call out, if you raise your voice, if you ask, you can receive hidden treasures. This is the picture of that pupil asking for clarification. Some of the most smartest people I knew were those who actually asked questions in class. Because they were seeking insight, they were seeking clarification. That actually, when we come to wisdom and how we live, how we live, I mean, plenty of dumb people. I'm one of them, but no dumb questions. As we come to God, seeking His wisdom. If you seek it like silver, and search for it as a hidden treasure, seek it. A treasure hunt. That you value it so much that you make effort to be diligent in pursuing it. That you really believe that in the words of God, there are gold and silver there that you can mine that will profit you. And so you diligently seek it. You want to apply it to your life. That's the posture we should have to God's wisdom to his commandments, his instruction, is that we treasure it up, we receive it, we pay attention to it, we incline our hearts to it, we call out for it, we ask for it, and we seek it and we search for it, that we should be diligent in the practice, that we should be devoted to it. This is, this is what's valuable to us, that in our free time, we should actually be looking at God and saying, teach me your ways. That, our, that when we have moments to spare, we should actually go into God in prayer and in, in reading his word and saying, teach me how to be yours so that I can cherish it, that we should value it to that extent. That should be the part that we love it so much that we cherish it in our hearts. Because when we, we know when we seek the blessings of wisdom, we actually receive those blessings. And that promise comes in verses 5 and 6 that we actually get this promise of wisdom. Verses 5 and 6 says, And then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. That actually we receive it. 
The promise is we'll receive wisdom from God that he's going to give us that when we seek instruction, when we seek understanding, when we seek to take the commandments of God and apply them to our lives, we gain that wisdom. Which I think has two assumptions there. And that the first assumption is that there's a great importance of being teachable, of actually receiving instruction. That actually we can receive instruction and listen to it. There's a great importance of actually being humble enough to put yourself under God's word. We see the importance of humility towards other people, but uh, in like passages like 1 Peter 5, 5 through 6, when it says, Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. It's understanding that when we humble ourselves before God, He actually exalts us. He lifts us up. That when we come before Him and we're not the way, but we actually humble ourselves and say, I don't know how to do life. I don't know how to operate here. And I can look behind my track record and it's clear I don't know what's going on. But we humble ourselves to God. And we say, teach me. There's an importance of actually having that teachable spirit when we understand that we don't know everything and we need God to teach us. The other assumption is that there's a great importance for teachers. So often I think we have this mentality that all we need is my Bible and the Holy Spirit and we'll be fine. And yes, you'll be great when you, if, you, if you did that. In fact, she implied it. But so often we need a faithful teacher who comes alongside us, who points us in the right direction, who helps explain what, it, what God is teaching through his word and guide us and direct us on the right path. We need teachers to help clarify so many things. Help us grasp what we're supposed to grasp onto. Teachers, teaching is so important that Paul talks about how actually that the churches should be looking for people who are teachers to pass on the wisdom of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, he says, what, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That without instruction coming through a teacher, so that we need teachers to guide us. We need faithful parents who read the Bible to their children and grow them in the faith. We need faithful pastors who explain what the Bible means to the congregations. We need faithful small group leaders who help people walk together through the truth of the word. We need people who come alongside someone else who's flipping through the Bible and not knowing what to find, what was being spoken on a Sunday, and guiding people in a congregation to the truth of who God is. We need those faithful teachers. The promise of wisdom is there. If we diligently seek it, God promises to give it. But I love how he promises wisdom because it almost seems like a paradox. He has just quit saying, I mean, he just stopped, got over saying, hey, seek it. Find it like a treasure. You're on a hunt for it. Be diligent in it. And then he says, oh yeah, God gives it. I love that because it's this paragraph. It says, be diligent in seeking it, searching for it, but God's going to get it if you ask it. Be diligent in seeking for it, make it your whole life to pursue it, but God's going to give it to you. It's saying, hey, where should we be seeking this wisdom? Should we be going to the philosophies of the outside world who do not know God? Should we be looking at the mysteries of the world from these ancient and pagan myths? No. Where do we go for wisdom and instruction? We go to God. We seek it and God 
gives it. It makes us go to God knowing He is a source of wisdom. Tim Keller, a, a, a pastor and a theologian, wrote like this about this paradox. He says, the paradox itself is wise. If it were all up to us, we would labor under crushing anxiety and burn out. But if God only worked apart from us, we would all lose all sense of initiative. The paradox gives us enough incentive, enough assurance to pursue the knowledge of God all our life long. And we pursue God knowing that we're called to seek it, and we pursue God knowing that he's going to give it to us. This is the wisdom that James says in the book of James, James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. If you're lacking wisdom, you ask God, and you seek it from him. You run to him seeking to receive wisdom, that we should be seeking the blessings of wisdom. So what are the blessings of wisdom? What, what should we be seeking? Well, the, the, the passage continues and talks about it, and so I just broke it up into some big excess. We see that in verse 8 and verse, uh, verse 7 and verse 11, this idea that it's watching over us, it's guarding us, it's protecting us, that wisdom actually protects us. And how does it do that? What operates as guardrails? That when we're living by wisdom, there's boundaries in which we stay, and if we stay within those boundaries, you'll do better in life. And that's just a fact. These guardrails are really weird, uh, real because when you walk over a guardrail, you put yourself in danger. One of the ways I think about this is uh, we were very fortunate. I was able to take my wife to Ireland for a vacation several years ago, and we went to the Cliffs of Moher. If you don't know what the Cliffs of Moher, there are these thousand-foot cliffs that just plunge into the sea, and there's all these signs saying, hey, don't jump. Thanks, signs. And there's all these, all these uh, um, kind of um, barricades, right? That's what wisdom does. It says, hey, if you approach the crumbling edge of the cliff, you could fall. And wisdom provides a guardrail and says, don't go that way because you could fall. Of course, we went over the guardrails and got closer to the cliff, but that was not wise because you could fall. But that's what wisdom does. It provides a shield. It protects you. It hems you in in, uh, in a good, protective way. Wisdom is that parent that says, don't go into the road, for there are cars in the road. And cars don't look for little people in the road. We generally can be protected from things that otherwise we would not be protected from. It shields us. Wisdom also as we see in verses 9 through 10, it gives us understanding. It provides understanding to us that we actually understand the truth of this world. That wisdom operates like a map that it kind of lays it out and kind of shows us the big picture of where we are and how we should live and how we should operate. If you guys don't know what maps are because you're so addicted to GPS now. You actually can get the big picture. You can look at it. It's like Google Earth. But it provides us that understanding, this big picture, that we understand life now. We can understand maybe, we can understand maybe a little bit more, not exhaustively, but a little bit more about what God is doing in our life, about how he's worked in our past. 
It gives us understanding. It says you will understand righteousness and justice. Actually, you will understand why God wants you to live in a way that's upright and righteous before him. That he calls us to a holiness and you understand the importance of that. You will understand justice. This understanding that why does God want you to love people and treat them as they should, that you should fight for justice. It gives you an understanding of this big picture of life. Of equity, this idea that how you treat people, that it should be fair, it gives a good path. That we can see this understanding that, hey, this is the path that's good for my life, but maybe I should be on some other path. Or we should follow God in this different way. It provides this understanding for a life. We should be seeking it because it gives us that big picture view. It also delivers us doesn't just shield us and protect us. doesn't just give us an understanding of life. But wisdom actually delivers us out of the ways of people who don't know God. Wisdom is actually the answer to peer pressure. When people come along and say, hey, come along with me on this way, wisdom provides an open door that you can say, no thanks, I'm going a different way. It gives us, the passage gives us these two examples. One, it, it delivers us from the ways of uh, people, uh, the way of evil, from men of perverse speech who forsake the paths of uprighteous. It gives us a way, it gives us an out from falling in the ways of our peers. When we think about the Bible, we see many men of wisdom that did not follow along with their peers. I couldn't help but think of like Daniel as he's in Babylon and he's surrounded by unbelievers, but he knew the truth of who God was and the whole nation of Babylon was going this one way and they set up this rule that, hey, when you hear... I'm confused, Daniel. Sorry. They set up this rule that no one prays or asks for anything of anyone but the king, which excludes being able to pray. And Daniel says, no, I'm going to do the exact same thing I've done my whole life and I'll pray to my God. And so he did. That wisdom actually provides a way from following along with people who are leading you away from God. But also provides a way out from being tempted to follow along. It gives this example of this woman, this forbidden woman, the adulteress, who's going to lure you away with uh, smooth words. It's understanding that... Sin comes and not only in, hey, come with us, but also it entices us and lures us. It provides a way out from being lured away from things that you think you, sh- you might enjoy doing. Couldn't help but think of Joseph. You don't remember the story of Joseph as he is living right, right before God in Egypt. He's a slave. He's a slave in Potiphar's house. And Potiphar's wife wants to do bad things with Joseph. And he flees. The adulteress was whispering smooth words and he fled because of wisdom guides and directs us out. It delivers us from evil. Wisdom delivers us from, provides a path away from the ways of the world that delivers us. But wisdom also guides our walk, meaning it guides our whole life. We see that In verse 20, so you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. That wisdom provides us in the way in which we live, a way in which we operate in this world, and it's the way of God. It sets the course that we walk in our life. The reality is that God has placed us all on a course that he calls us to run. 
We see this in Hebrews chapter 12 when it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set out before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, that God has placed us on a course, has set us up, wisdom puts us on that path, and we look to Jesus and we run the race he has given us to run. We, we are planted on that course by wisdom and we know we'll be on the way of the good and we can keep to the paths of the righteous as we look to Jesus and walk in his ways. It sets us on that path we, we should walk on. And it gives us this final kind of blessing or benefit, but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treasures will be rooted out of it. It actually gives us this great covenantal understanding of wisdom. That when the Jewish person read this, it reflected back onto the giving of the law that if you followed God, if you applied his ways, if you, if you followed him, the land would be there for you forever. It's this great covenantal promise that the land is theirs. But when we read this, it's not a promise of land for us. Well, we read this is actually how it's fulfilled in the New Testament in Jesus Christ. We read this and it says the covenantal understanding of this promise is that we have Christ and we have his life and his ways. That if we follow God, we can trust that we're on the path of Christ that has laid out for us. That if we follow God's wisdom, we can trust that we are following Christ, keeping our eyes fixed to him, and are living out the law of Christ in our life. That this great promise is that we have Christ and so we follow it and we're doing what we're supposed to be doing if we follow the ways of wisdom. That we seek the blessings of wisdom because we know how valuable they are. When we read this passage, that's what I want us to grab an eternal life. And we were seeking God to gain wisdom. We go to him for understanding. If you want to be wise in this life, it starts with who is in this life. Listen to the Lord. You go to him. So are we, are you, pursuing wisdom as you should? It's a question I think we should all ask ourselves when we read this text. Are we pursuing wisdom like it says we should? How do we do that? It starts with us by opening up our Bible. That we read it, we let the Bible dwell in us richly and, and live in us. We saturate our whole lives in it. That we want a life marinated by the Word of God and so that whenever we do, the Bible should be coming out. If you want to be wise, it starts with what do we fill our life and our mind with so we go to the Word of God. It follows that we actually go to godly counsel, that we surround ourselves with good voices that point back to the Word of God, that we want friendships and we want leaders and we want people who just love us, who know the Word of God and know God and want the best for us. And so we surround ourselves with godly counsel. Are we pursuing God like that? Are we pursuing wisdom like that? And then are we, you, asking God for it and trusting that he gives? Put the blinders up, and I want to just finish the task because if I finish the task fast, I can sit down earlier. 
So many of us, I think, go through life so fast, so rushing, that we lose patience with God who promises to give us wisdom. So often we slow down and actually stop and think and ask God, what is the wise course of action now? Are we asking God for that wisdom that he has promised to give? We should be valuing, valuing wisdom like this. Seeking the blessings of wisdom because we know the truth of who God is. If you are in Christ, if you believe in Jesus Christ, this is true for us because it's not just like God saves us through Christ and then leaves us to our own devices and doesn't care anymore. No, he saves us and he wants our whole life and he wants us to follow him and he wants us to live for him. And the ways a Christian does that is by looking towards God for wisdom on how to follow Christ in all areas of the life. That we value it because we value who God is and who Christ is and how he has saved us. If you're not a Christian, if you don't know Christ, this is a call for you to look at your track record for true wisdom and submit to God's word to follow him and receive the blessings of wisdom that he has promised us here. Seek the blessings of wisdom. Join me in prayer. Dear Father, thank you so much for your word, your truth, that we can read it, we can understand it, we can Apply it to our lives. That we can grow in it. That it's not just a, a thing that having arrived knowing the truth of Christ, but actually we apply your word again and again daily to our lives as we seek to be in it, to know it, to grow in it. That we seek to be people of your word, that we seek to be a church of the book of your word, that we seek to be people who love you enough to live for you. We know we can only do it because of the truth of who Jesus is. We know we can only apply it because of the truth of how Christ has saved us. But Lord, let us be diligent in seeking it, diligent in going to you for wisdom. For all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you would like to stand with us in this last song, I invite you to do that now. <laughs>